Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 108 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm David. I'm back. And he's back. I am. And so this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate, and this week it's The Greater Good, episode number seven of season two. This episode was a turning point. I think it's pretty fair to say this was a huge piece of moving the show forward and in the major story arc and the mythology answering a huge question big turning point episode this uh, i think it's fair to say that this show is going to take the series into a different direction now so first last week we didn't get your thoughts on trial and error diana and i loved it i loved it as well you know it's interesting i've had cause and effect on my mind because when uh, october turned to november i have the star trek ships of the line calendar and the image is of the uss bozeman striking the uh the enterprise's starboard to sell i'm looking at it right now so this episode has i've been thinking about the episode a lot and then trial and error comes out and it's cause and effect you know because that's on my mind like that's a little creepy because i've been thinking about the show and i didn't know what was going on i I didn't read any synopses for it and so for the first 25 minutes i'm saying to myself i really have no clue what's going on and then when it reveals it's a battle simulation i thought that that was i thought that that was great i think the thing the thing that that derailed me was that uh, it switched from young's location like when in other shows when you see and in previous episodes of Stargate, when it's someone's dream, you always stay with them. You're not necessarily looking through their eyes, which is something right, that right. you and Diana were talking about, but it stays in their in their location. And when it switches to Scott and we see this the scene that he's in, I didn't it doesn't feel like it's Young's dream anymore. But very, very interesting discussion. Uh, there's not very much that I can add to it. You guys uh you guys really covered it. It's it's too bad. You know, I, I always seem to miss the 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 discussion for the best my favorite episode of the season i wonder if that's gonna be the case this time i missed the shrine i don't think i missed any last year but i missed this oh, one that's right oh, you, yeah. did. you missed justice last year so yeah people have been clamoring to have uh, diana back on the show and we both love her and want to have her back i think that what we should do is we've got we've got this week and then we've got three more new episodes before the show goes on hiatus and so december i think that probably our first show after we talk about Resurgence, episode 10. The next show, we should do like a season 2.0, you know, recap show and have mm-hmm. Diana on for that. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about the whole sort of, you know, this uh, Destiny's mission thing that she was speculating on last week. Yeah, she told me that that notion of hers a long time ago, and I was kind of hoping that it would ring true. But in this episode, we found out what Destiny's true mission was. And uh, yeah, it's we'll, we'll get to that. The main discussion. The greater good is our topic today, and Destiny's mission is revealed, at least the first sort of large glimpse at at what it is, why the Ancients sent this ship out so many eons ago. Mm-hmm. And David, lots to talk about in the episode, but obviously the mission is huge. So let me ask you first, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> As my friend Dean put it, it's Stargate, the search for God now. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't think is entirely fair. I, I was expecting something grand. I, I was expecting something that would that would make everyone, you know, say, "Well, 
now everything that we've been talking about, you know, the the the, the squabbles aboard ship, you know, is is now going to pale in comparison to this mission. Which I think when they all begin to figure it out, I think that uh, that that may happen. But it's big. It's it's big, and it's it's on a universal scale. Pardon the pun. And I think uh, I think that 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 was. Um, I'm not disappointed in that reveal. All right, it's Chris, aka aka Dryden for Lauderdale. Um, I just want to see if you guys could clarify something for me about the previous episode. Um, they were talking about the uh, Destiny's mission, and I kind of understood the conversation, and I call myself a part-time astrophysicist, and this is getting uh, a little difficult. Um, he said it was something about the order of the background radiation in the universe that Destiny was traveling and picking up data from, and there were thousands of pages of information. I still don't understand. That's still a little vague. Okay, does that mean that the ancients thought that some other intelligent being created the universe? Or that we could gather information about the universe, and if we can know about this information, we could create stars, solar systems, all sorts of things. So, just wondering if you guys understood it a little bit better than I did, or it's just they just kind of threw out the information and are going to specify a little bit later. All right, looking forward to your response. Love the show. Keep it up. Bye. Okay, Chris, I have the uh, transcript pulled up here on my little computer, which you can find at gateworld.net. And uh, so I can look at some of the specific dialogue. There's this long scene, and I remember interviews yeah. from months past where uh, Robert Carlyle talked about you know the seven-page dialogue scene with with Louis Ferreira who plays Colonel Young. This was probably it, I think. Mm. This is sort of the big, you know, drawing back the curtains on one of the show's biggest secrets, biggest mysteries. Mm-hmm. What we're supposed to take away from this is uh, that once Young cracked the master code, he began to learn about Destiny's mission. And apparently, during the Big Bang or just before the Big Bang or what have you, there was there was this uh, this sense of order to the universe. Destiny's purpose is to try and figure out what that order was. Was it a message? Mm-hmm. Was it a divine code? Was it a sign of intelligence? All mm-hmm. that we know for sure is that it, it did not occur naturally. There was, there was some kind of presence at the beginning of time. And what, I was, what it's got me thinking about was this, this race or whatever that's, that's watching after TJ's baby, you know, and, and that, that planet uh, got me thinking a lot about that. I wonder if there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. But Destiny's yeah, mission is... is to seek that out. And it has the technology, perhaps, to decode it. It's good that you think of, of the uh, super advanced aliens that seem to have built the obelisk planet from Faith last year. Because they are a sort of a higher power that's far above anything we've ever seen before, far above even the ancients. I think even the ascended ancients. So yeah, the explanation here is that there's this cosmic microwave background radiation that's just in the universe. Uh, and this is a real thing, of course. It's, mm-hmm. it's just sort of something that's everywhere and it always has been. And it's just, you know, it's radiation. And it, it's supposed to be sort of chaotic. Our level of technology, we're only sort of capable of seeing the chaos of it. But yeah, says, an example, if I may insert here, okay. real, if real quick. Um, it, if you ever flip on your television screen and you see uh, static, I don't think most of us can see that now. But you're actually some of some of that static is actually the beginning of the universe. That would be an example of chaos. And, that and example, chaos. yes, exactly. <laughs> chaos theory is a very interesting field of of whatever. I'm I'm not a scientist. Whatever field it's a 
field of, but where we, we, our, our current level of science believes that there's chaos, Rush says that the ancients detected a pattern. order or at least some sense that at one point there was order where, where there should only be chaos. And they have the, the, the destiny apparently has the, uh, the technology capable of, um, of figuring it out. Now, the question is, where are they going? Because, I mean, as far as I know, our understanding of the universe is that there is no edge to it. You can't get to an edge of the universe. And I, I, I mean, I kind of, from a story point of view, I kind of, that'd be kind of cool going to the edge of the universe and seeing what's there. But if you keep going far enough in a, in a straight enough direction, you'll eventually start back where you came from. So my, my question is, you know, where, where are they? Where is it that they're exactly going to? My sense of that was that in Rush and Young's conversation, the conversation sort of circles around the idea that, that the origin of the universe the Big Bang is where this stuff all comes from, and that that might be what the destination is, that de- Destiny's trying to get to what I guess I assume, not being a science guy, what I assume would be up approximately the center of the hmm. universe, assuming that, that, you know, if there's a Big Bang, that, that galaxies sort of expand mm-hmm. relatively equal in all directions. So mm-hmm. the relative center of the universe, if that's the source of the Big Bang, is that where Destiny's going? like some sort of intelligence there didn't Cain say out here on the edge of the universe though i mean haven't we been kind of led to believe that we're out that we're heading out deeper yeah i I think he was being a little rhetorical okay but yeah that could be okay um what's i'm i'm looking in our gallery right now trying to find a good screenshot of eli looking at that map in air part one of the galaxies and where destiny has gone so far Mm -hmm. you remember how much we saw there of the relative position of of destiny and the and the line that it's been traveling on relative to the center point there's there's it just shows the milky way and then her going through pegasus and just heading outward i mean but there's there's no indication that that map shows the center of the universe it's just a it's just a map it's just a direction that we're following universe is really big <laughs> so i mean if they do say that we're heading towards the center of the universe i mean i'll believe them because uh, mm-hmm. they, they haven't given a lot of, of evidence to suggest otherwise. So now the purpose of all of this, remember back in, I think it was Aftermath, uh, mm. second episode this year, when we were first sort of having our initial conversations with Gin, the Lucian Alliance hottie. Uh, she <laughs> said that the reason that they, they wanted to come to Destiny was because there's this sort of myth of you know, having the power of the gods. Mm-hmm. And Rush says something similar. He's, he's, he's explaining this mission to Young, and he's, he's kind of talking like uh, it, if we find this thing that started the universe, it could give us control mm-hmm. over the very fabric of reality itself. Mm-hmm. The power to change things. The power to maybe bend the universe to your will. Yeah. You know? Which immediately led me to thinking of, of Rush ending the series as kind of Kate Blanchett's character in the fourth Indiana Jones movie where the alien empowers her with all the knowledge of the universe and her brain fries. Um, <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen with that character? Or, you know, yeah, I mean, or maybe it made me think of something sort of merging with the infinite and sort of giving himself up and like a Decker from uh, Star Trek. Yeah, Picture. yeah, exactly. Or the, the, the wonderful, wonderful playground of retro-causality in the universe where Destiny or the, or the ship or the crew somehow become responsible for the birth of the universe. 
who knows what's going to happen. But I think uh, I think we're uh, we're guaranteed that the the journey is going to be pretty dang interesting now, or whatever whatever is the ultimate end of the show. And I must say, I love this episode in that I think for the first time in the Stargate universe, the franchise, we're given a series that has perhaps a definitive end point, a definitive oh, yeah. like with with SG One in Atlantis, it was open ended. You know, what kind of stories do we want to tell this year? Which mm-hmm. is great. But at, with this episode, they're saying that we are specifically going somewhere. And there is a specific task to be performed. And then once that's over with, to a large extent, the show is probably over. Which I think gives yeah. a great continuity to the show. And will, me- will be all the more fulfilling because of it once the show is over. Yeah, and you, that you was sort bold. of have to do that with an arc-based story. Stargate SG-1 remains one of my favorite series of all time. It's a very episodic series. When you tell a series that is arc-based, it needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's why Lost is successful. That's why Babylon 5 is successful in telling Galactica its story. Galactica, too. Yeah. There, there was a specific mission to be accomplished. And when it is... It is very fulfilling. Yeah, so how long is that mission? Somebody recently asked this on Joe Malazzi's blog, and he says that they planned out approximately a five-year storyline, which if they needed to, they could condense it and sort of wrap up the major pieces in a season, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's pretty typical of of Sci-Fi Channel, you know, I mean... Generally speaking, they give shows five years and then that's it. They gave SG One five years. They gave Atlantis five years. Eureka's yeah. going a little bit longer, but um, they gave Farscape five years and then took one of them. <laughs> <laughs> they were supposed to give Galactica five years and then took one away. So it's, it makes sense to to have this. And I I think giving SGU a five year run I think will be immensely satisfying. It just seems to me that it's kind of a leap from. There's order in this background radiation, which implies that there may have been some intelligence at the creation of the universe, leaping from there to we can have that power and we can control yeah. things. And maybe I can, you know, prevent my wife from dying or something. What, whatever Rush is thinking. Yeah, like th- that, that's, that's an interesting point. You know, I'm not surprised that it goes back to power. I was kind of hoping for Diana's... Uh, uh, prediction to be fulfilled that there was a that there was a problem out there in the universe and that destiny was the key to fixing that but i guess that's more like the typical sg1 or atlanta story where we have a problem and we must fix it whereas this is kind of like a greater understanding of the universe and he does connect that knowledge is power which i think is a fairly natural thing to to assume and this guy is all about power so i think it makes sense when the producers through the interviews throughout leading up to season 2 and and so far in season 2 and they've talked about Destiny's mission. You know, I've, I've heard so much about, you know, one of Russia's lines is it's it's not about, you know, look, looking back. We have to look forward now. Mm-hmm. It's about where we're going. You know, getting home is not the most important thing now. So the producer says said, that explicitly that this this mission, once we find out what it is, is so huge and so important that the crew sort of, you know, bands together a bit more. And getting home is not necessarily the biggest priority for them. Completing this mission is is even bigger. I'm not sure that I quite buy it yet. I mean, you've got people who want to go home, and mm-hmm. we're not sure if this mission is, is going to be something that we could do in five years or ten years or twenty years. I think that these people, you know, if they're going to buy on to this mission, they're basically committing their lives to it, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, here's my big beef. This ship was supposed to have been populated by ancients millions upon millions of years ago 
and you're telling me that we're five years away? Is yeah, the ship the going? Destiny is almost to the to yeah. The I mean, has the ship circled around the universe several times, waiting for the the crew to get there? You know why it mm-hmm. should be at its destination by millions of years ago. It's still going wherever it's going. So if they if they're just a few years from being away, that is a stretch. Um, <laughs> maybe they maybe were the going ship really is slow, and we could like yeah, and now we out. can accelerate. That's I would the, love. I would love to get people to call in and give us their theories on this. You know, how far away is Destiny from its destination? Has it been doing loops? Has it been doing laps around the universe, waiting for a crew? Is it is it really really close? And we just lucked out that we gated there at the last. You know, within a couple of years of it arriving. Yeah. Or is there something that we can do to help it get there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that that this this FTL now either we're in really 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 big galaxies or this FTL is much slower than anything that we've that we've uh, flown on before. The Asgard could shoot across galaxies in no time. It's possible that now, and this is the other big part of this episode, we are no longer on a runaway train. It's possible that we can speed her up really to go much faster than she's going now and really be on our way. At which case, I would turn the ship around and speed up in the other direction if I was Colonel Young, because... Uh, yeah. But so we'll see. We'll see. I've, I've, the show has become much more interesting, I think. Yeah, and the big question is, is um, you know, this is going to be the Monday morning quarterback thing, mm-hmm. um, maybe that we talk about uh, at, at the mid-season break, is, is um, are we on a good pace? Is this something that we really would have been nice to have learned earlier in the show's run? Because it really does feel like Oh, we can all just let out our breath, and it's it's just been so intense between Rush and Young, and they've just mm-hmm. been at each other for so long. You know, we would we've been watching this show for coming up on a year and a half now, um, at least a season and a half, and and they're just now getting to the point where Rush is basically seems to be saying, "All my cards are out on the table, Colonel Young. I'm not going to fight you anymore. We are officially mm-hmm. on the same side." And in fact, he. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it now. He saves him from floating away into space. Yeah. So he puts his money where his mouth is when he yeah. saves his life. Yeah. He nods to Young, and Young gives him a nod back in, in, in recognition that. of what he just did. So it's entirely Beautiful. possible. And if if Nick is being being truthful to um, Perry, then he's saying, "Yeah, I have no choice. I have to trust him. I have to work with him now." The, the montage, the opening montage of every episode says, "We'll never be done." Rush says that, so it's yeah. entirely possible that you know he's just biding his time like Gollum for his precious. That that ending where he where he grabs on to Young as Young is sort of bouncing off Destiny's hull. Yeah, just beautiful thing. Eleven. That's sort of obviously it's set up by when before of they use the ship. Of course, Colonel Young saying to Lieutenant Scott, "You know, don't worry, I'm not going to leave him behind." Yeah, and then he ends up giving him a serious beatdown, and and he says to Rush, "I should have killed you when I had the chance." Well, that was coming, wasn't it? I mean, that was yeah. watching that fight was like, okay, here we go. This is yes. this is they are getting they are getting out their kicks. It's all um, out now. It's all yeah. out in the open. Well, so. yeah, and when they sort of came back together, I think it was at the end of Space Episode Eleven. Young had left Rush behind on this planet yeah. to die, and Rush had gotten back on board and had kept a secret. That, that Young had stranded him on purpose. They have this meeting, and they basically just stare each other down and say, we're going to keep each other's secrets for the greater good. For yeah. the greater good. And yeah. that's the title of this episode, is The Greater Good. And now that, that sort of tension that's been between them that whole time is now sort of out in the open. I'm not going to reveal that you framed me for murder. I'm not going to reveal that you left me on the planet. So, 
So we we this episode starts off with us coming out of FTL, probably at Rush's uh, Rush's control, and an alien so, yeah. and and an alien ship is parked right in front of us. An alien ship that is populated with pods from the same race that was aboard the seed ship. Mm-hmm. And low ceilings. Low they're ceilings. Shortens. They're very deliberate in showing uh, Young bumping his head. That w- that was my first indication that that you know they're they're saying. I think that by that they are saying that this is their ship. Um, otherwise, it wasn't made expressly clear to me that this was their ship. It could have been another ship that they that they yeah. um, that they inf- infiltrated because. If you notice exactly, because if you if it's the same guys that infiltrated the seed ship, you would have seen this ship first, because the seed ship was heading in the other direction, it was heading away. Mm. So I don't think it can be the same the same beings who are on the seed ship, because the seed ship is behind them right now, as far as we know. See what I'm saying? No, I don't see what you're saying. You're saying it couldn't be the same race. It, oh, it can be, but I don't think it's the same group. Not the same group. Well, how do you know that that group didn't abandon this ship and have some FTL-capable... Because when Destiny came upon shuttle. it, the ship was pointed in the other direction. The, the seed ship, ship was the pointed s- in the other direction? The seed ship was pointed as going along the same path as Destiny, which means that that ship was up ahead. So they would have had to have turned the seed ship around, fly it toward Destiny, stop it, and then turn it back around facing the other way. We would have seen this ship first. If it was the same group, we would have seen this ship first, and then Destiny would have passed it and eventually run into the seed ship. Because that was the direction that they were going. Do I need to draw a diagram? Uh, You might need to diagram this for me. Are you presuming that the aliens have actually flown the seed ship? Well, either... Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Okay, so after they get their hands on the seed ship, they're flying away from, from this ship that they've abandoned. Well, I, I think it's going to be pretty clear that I think it's pretty safe to say that we're going to encounter them again and that Telford is not going to be flying. Yeah, but, just the fact that the seed ship was was stationary when we found it led me to believe that the ancient that the aliens were not necessarily flying it around, that they had just come up upon it. Well, all the more reason that this wouldn't be their ship then, other because the, then I think it's safe to say that this ship would have been near the seed ship if that was the case. Maybe. This is interesting. This ship looks like it's been through a battle. Yeah. Its bridge has been destroyed, and it's got this big gash in the side that allows our guys to get inside. So they probably have an enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, may not necessarily be the same guys that we've run into. Maybe somebody, maybe them, maybe somebody totally new. My friend made the point, this could be their galaxy. There may be a lot of them here. Yeah, sure. This so. We could be in their, in their home turf right now. My point is, considering where these ships are located, the Seed Ship, Destiny, and this other ship, it's unlikely that the, that, uh, the guys that we met, that this was their specific ship. And it, my, my the theory ship that, uh, that their worker bees is blown out of the water now. So, <laughs> Yeah, the, the that they were there all along. That the, that the ancients put on the ship. That's yeah. mm-hmm. a neat ship. It has... Uh, it's Repu- really cool. Republic I love the colors, red, the red and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Young and Rush decide to go over and check out this ship, and suddenly the engines come on. Yeah. Which is startling. Uh, yeah. And now the ship is ballistic, flying away from destiny. I think it's pretty clear that this is something that Rush didn't want, since he has to reveal the bridge to someone on that ship. 
Yeah, it forces his hand. Yeah. So, but I mean, I would have been the first to say, "Look, I'm pu- I'm pushing a bunch of buttons. I don't I don't know. Just because I'm the expert doesn't mean that I can figure out this alien language. I pushed a bunch of things. Hey, I got light support on, but you know what? Unfortunately, I flew the ship in the other direction. You know, he was pushing a lot of controls around. That that's a kind of a stretch that we're expected to think that he pushed the correct sequence of codes just to get life support online. He also triggered the engines to to pick up. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I don't think doesn't he did. He say it- doesn't he say at one point that he doesn't have any control over propulsion, navigation, etc.? How the hell is he supposed to know? From that, he, he can't. He can't read that language. I'm sure he's yeah. making. A, I'm sure he's making the best guess. Well, that's sort of the sci-fi conceit of I could step up to this console with an alien language I've never been exposed to before and figure out how to do anything. Well, a lot of conceits are being abandoned in this, in this show. Alien languages, this and that and the other. I think it's safe to say that he triggered those engines, but I don't think it was his intention. Otherwise, well, there would have been aliens way, aboard the ship and we never saw anyone else. And I, I kind of wondered through the whole episode, was there somebody sort of lurking around to mm-hmm. flip the switch and did this on purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the result is uh, we get Amanda Perry back on board Destiny. She's the only one that Rush will trust. He doesn't want to reveal his discovery of the bridge, the fact that he's cracked the master code to anybody on Destiny. Everybody seems to be pretty much loyal to Colonel Young, especially after last week. Even the scientists who work closely with Rush. He brings Dr. Perry on board. She trades places with Gin. With Gin. Communication stones, because Gin's got to go back and and, uh, be debriefed about the Lucian Alliance and their impending attack on Earth. I love seeing Amanda Perry again. This was a a good actress, good character. Yes, guest character and actress from season one, Kathleen Monroe, does a great job again. That was good to see that character back. I think that that brings a, a great deal more continuity to this series. You know that they they weren't just having this one off character come back and help us solve problems. You know, although she is, I mean, she is kind of a of a Deus Ex Machina, and that we have a problem, we bring her in, rather than we have a problem, we bring McKay in or Carter in. You know, who who's Amanda Perry? You know, these. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's. Probably not as expensive as as Amanda Tapping or or David Hewlett to bring in, so we we bring her in. Well, now I like this. The show has gotten some some criticisms about the fact that we don't bring in Carter or we don't bring in McKay when we should. You know who the we heck probably is would. Perry. Yeah, I like it because it says you know the Stargate universe is a big place. Earth has a lot of people working on a lot of projects, and this woman is, you know, in another universe, she's the star of her own show, probably. <laughs> she's, she's been working on, on you know, hyperdrive technology for years, probably. But at the same time, if she's as important as they say she is, you'd think you would have heard her name at some point. But either way, it's a show, you know, it's, it's, this character didn't exist before, you know, a year ago. So it's great that they're at least expanding the universe. And it's also great that we'll see McKay later. So I'm not complaining. And Rush also likes her. This is true. He has a history with her. So, you know, he doesn't necessarily have any history with Carter or McKay. Mm -hmm. Um, He knows this woman. He he trusts this woman, which in in this case, in this visit, that's what it's all about. It's the fact that he trusts her to be able to do this and keep it secret. And she does as long as she can. Eli use, Eli's recording everything at this point, and he takes advantage of that uh, voyeurism to go and dig up footage that's already been recorded, which was a great twist. And they get access to the bridge, which was a great little reveal. Him and Brody and Volker going in there and seeing this quadriplegic 
running, flying the ship. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's great. That's another one of my favorite scenes. Her telling them to shut up while she's trying to steer Destiny, and Destiny's weaving back and forth. You know, going along. That was a great moment. But yeah, the is, backseat backseat driving scene was yeah. hilarious. It was a nice bit of, you know, SGU is such a serious show, and there's so much sort of drama going on. That's a that great little little comedy bit that that's in amongst the drama. And are we supposed to to take that? Um, when we first see the Kino footage of the other ship, someone went to an airlock and threw a Kino over to that ship and steered it inside. I guess so. Yeah, we have some way of getting Kinos outside okay. Destiny re- really easily now. It, it was sort of made a big deal of back yeah, in the early season with the one. airlock. But with now the there's airlock. no shuttles there, so that, that's a that's a port that they can access. Yeah, I guess you could just stick the Kino in there and close the door. And then later, I guess Young held on to the Kino and and someone flew the Kino over there and then he tethered a rope. Because we we know that they that they can support a lot of weight. You put a bunch of them underneath. That would a, explain it. Yeah, I was wondering why Rush was saying that they they broke the keynote they had. He yeah. was saying that we can't use the keynote to to get back to Destiny. That yeah. would be why, because it was carrying the tether, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. Well, no, I think it was carrying Young. He's holding on to it when he first shows up. Oh, and seriously? Then, he like flew over on it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's holding it in his hands. You know the 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 pack doesn't have any kind of thrusters that, that we know of, so he's holding it and That's then he tethers true. it. Because the first time that I watched it, I thought that they tethered the kino to the rope and threw the kino and started yeah. piloting it, but they didn't. But it's it it still works. Yeah, and we apparently left the other one just uh, it was roaming fly- around the yeah, corridors of that ship. It was ship. in search mode. Yeah. The other comedy bit that I just loved in this episode was the very end of the tease when we're coming up on this ship. And Volker. It's not the seed ship, and it's not this, and it's not that. We don't know what it is. And it goes to Volker, and he says, new friends. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Patrick Gilmore is awesome. He's that awesome. Was such, that was my favorite Volker line, I think, of the whole series. I, I talked with him this past week, and he listens to this show. So props to Patrick. That oh, was yes. a great line. Yes. Yeah. So the bridge is out now. The secret yeah. is out. Everybody knows the bridge, and by the end of the episode, we have Volker and and they're um, already assumed the positions. Rody are are yeah, they're Chekhov and Sulu sitting up there. I love just how much Eli flips out. He, I, I really wish I could have heard. We could have continued to hear his rant, but uh, but Rush cuts him off. You know, yeah. Once he sees Young and the secrets out, and Young asks him, "How long have you known?" Okay, so it's obvious you cracked the master code. When? And he tells him, and Young lays down his gun because I mean, he doesn't he doesn't want to disfigure him much, and then mm. starts laying into him. You know he's responsible for the the death of Riley, which I, I think I think Young is is largely right about. Young hasn't figured out that he also is is responsible for whatever reason he hasn't figured out that he's also the responsible for abandoning Telford, um, yeah, because he was the one that flew the ship away. Yeah, Riley gets mentioned, I think, like three times. Yeah, um, and Telford not once. It's an interesting, interesting bit of transference because Young has been living with this for presumably a, a couple of months have passed since Riley's death. And he's been living with this that he, with his own two hands, smothered the life out of this, this young right. boy. Because it was uh, an accident, as from his yeah. perspective, getting to that planet, when we now know that Rush had that information. And um, sent them there deliberately. So he's he's responsible for breaking Riley's legs and leaving him stranded there. Young is still responsible for for killing him, but only responsible for killing him soon, sooner than he would have. So Rush's 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 hands are bloodied. 
Yeah. Uh, and he rightfully lets him have it. These two guys, I mean, after their knockdown dragout fight, which was which was great. I mean, we've seen yeah. so much awesome choreography from Bam Bam that But yeah, I it's know, not this... dancing, it's not martial art martial arts. They are exactly. this is a brawl. This is reality. These two guys are just going after each other. After they're done and, and they are able to sit down. I love the fact that you know, Young gives him a beat down, and then there's this moment where you can see it on Young's face. He realizes he's, he's choking him into near unconsciousness. And Young realizes he's got a choice to make. At this moment, he could kill Rush or do some serious damage, or he uh, could they, stop. He needs answers. I, th- I think that's why he stops. And, and he lets Rush, you know, crawl yeah. over to the wall. And then yeah. Young just sort of sits down opposite him and has a conversation. Um, that's a nice little little. I think it's a change. I think it's an area of yeah. growth, frankly, for Colonel Young. These men are not these guys, these guys are not young guys. So they, they get winded pretty quickly and you know have to take a break. And I think again, mm-hmm. Young doesn't put him unconscious because he wants to he, he needs some answers. You know. Yeah. He does he does say when you when we get back to the ship you'll explain everything, but uh young uh, but Rush starts explaining now. Which is which is where we get to um my biggest beef about uh, about the episode, my biggest my biggest issue with it, the most perhaps the most important scene of the series, which I went back and and rewound and watched, I think four times to soak it all in. It's a very important moment. Yeah, and what's so interesting between these guys is they're they're laying blame on each other, and yeah. they're both right. You yeah. know, Young brings up the fact that you know Rush has been in control of the ship, and it's just. It's not going well. He's made mistakes. Riley has died. He's been playing God. Uh, yeah. And then on the other hand, Rush says, you know, Lucian Alliance attacked. We lost a lot of lives because some bad decisions were made. TJ's uh, baby. We lost TJ's baby. He's right. You know, Young yeah. has not been this fantastic leader either. How can I trust you when you don't trust you? Yeah. So the mutual recrimination is pretty much right on target. I think, I think Young processes that. I think he understands it. So here's my beef. I love what is revealed. I love that it is that the stage is set for a for for a journey and and an understanding of the cosmos that is unprecedented in the Stargate universe. I am upset that we were robbed of its discovery. And what I mean by that mm. is when we discover earlier in the season in talking with, with Gloria, we find out that Rush didn't know of Destiny's mission before he arrived. We didn't know. You know, we didn't know if, if he if – kind of, because it kind of felt like he knew, like he had cracked something on Earth and he was so giddy about being there. So we, we learned that he just knew that there was a great importance to Destiny and he would eventually figure out what it is. So when we found when I found out earlier this year, I was excited because I thought that we were going to make the discovery with him mm-hmm. when he cracks that information. Diana Botsford and I were talking. It's we we love showing rather than telling. Not not sitting around and expositing this important dialogue, but making the discovery with him. So I was eager that we were going to make this discovery with him at some point, you know, before this secret was revealed, or that's how it was going to be revealed to us. And mm-hmm. we don't. We don't get to make that discovery. Instead, we get it told to us. Or they yeah, could have this... made that discovery in this episode together, him and Young, to give them a common purpose. And instead, yeah. we're just told it. And yeah. that is the most important piece of information to the series that's just given in telling and not showing, which I yeah, think I've, is deeply think disappointing. Right. Or the story decision is obviously to further Rush's character. 
because the whole point of not seeing that discovery is that it's a you know we're in Colonel Young's position, which is this is something that Rush has kept hidden from us, and that sort of tells you something about his character and the fact that he thinks that this is the most important thing in the universe and this is what we need to do and we need to stop fighting each other and trying to get home. We needed to see this mission through and it might exactly. give us some, some awesome power. Uh, tells you a lot about Rush's character that he, that he did keep it to himself. If this information, if, if, if what we have learned from Rush is true, I think it would have, it would have been extremely important for the audience to dis- to make the discovery with him or to make the discovery their own by having it revealed to us right when he learns it rather than to have the character just tell us a few days later. Yeah, apparently last week he didn't know. He didn't know what the mission was. He, he yeah. tells Chloe at least that he thinks he's on the verge of discovering the mission, but he, did, yeah. he apparently didn't know it last week. Yeah. So I- I'm delighted that it is what it is. I think that it's, that it's going to be very interesting. I think that it's a great step forward, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm really disappointed because I think it was mishandled and it could have been a really incredible opportunity. I mean, I, I Maybe felt at least see Russia's discovery of it and have like some dialogue with Gloria as or he's ha- discovering it or have find an ancient diary of an ancient expressing over video exactly what the discovery was or something like that. Yeah. Um, or, or so it's actually made off visual screen, information. Right? Yeah. It's it's made off screen. This is the perhaps the the biggest discovery of the entire of the entire franchise. Certainly the biggest discovery of this series, and it's delivered in the way it is. It's just I, I felt I felt like I felt with Battlestar Galactica in No Exit when Anders reveals the entire premise of of the show and mm-hmm. the backstory in ten minutes in the med bay. <laughs> or I I also felt like the art it was the architect scene from the Matrix re- Reloaded where mm. the architect just expounds all of it. It's, it's unsatisfying when we're told it rather than shown it because the, the audience is yeah. robbed of the ability to make the discovery themselves. Yeah, so I agree, but I do hold out hope because I don't think we've heard the whole story yet. I don't think I we've agree. seen the whole picture of what the mission is. I completely agree. And what the significance of it is and why everybody on the crew basically really should sign on board for this yeah. thing. Yeah, that's, that's great. It, and, and you're absolutely right. This episode reveals that there is a message or a code. It doesn't reveal what that message or code is. And I yeah. hope that when they do plan on getting around to telling us that, we are shown it rather than told it. Yeah. So there is order where there should be chaos. Exactly. That's a is, great what idea. Is, what is the material content of that order? Yes. We still have yet to see. Yeah. Okay. Now, John has a question for us, and then I have a question for you. Let's listen <laughs> to John's voicemail. Okay. Hi, Darren and David. Uh, this is John from San Francisco, California. I'm calling to comment on the episode, The Greater Good. I really like this episode. I like the reveal. But, you know, it it always seemed obvious to me that there is no other important central place in the universe other than the point of the Big Bang. So it came as no surprise when they revealed that that's where the destiny was going. But now that we know the destination of the ship, this is assuming Rush is telling the truth. Um, You know, it kind of begs two, two questions. The first is, you know, why did the ancients abandon Destiny's mission and instead shift their focus to Ascension? I hope this really gets answered. Second question is, um, you know, we know that the chair is not the bridge. So what's its purpose? And I think we have enough information to speculate. And what I think it is, is a suspended animation device. Um, not one where your body's put in stasis. 
and slowly dies, but one where your consciousness is sort of transferred out of your body and into the ship's hard drive so that it'll survive the multi-million year journey to a destination. So that's what I think. Um, let me know what your thoughts are and uh, keep up the good work on the podcast. Bye. Some of my friends and I were talking about this one, and some of them think that the ancients will descend when the time is right to discover this information. Hmm. Uh, the ones that were that ha- that were uh, invested in this situation, if if they were able to ascend, they may have died. Just because you die doesn't mean you ascend. So the the people who were responsible may have may have perished. I suspect that they're still around, but I don't think that um, the ancients now now that they are where they are, I don't think that they care anymore. That's my opinion. Mm. Well, we have seen some limits to ascension, such as they're sort of spatially limited to a single galaxy. I the ancients like... who cared about this mission could be flying with the ship, like Morgan yeah. Le Fay flew with the Odyssey into the Ori galaxy. Maybe maybe Destiny doesn't have an AI. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's an ascended. Ancient. It could be the ascended beings, just like Morgan pretended to be mm-hmm. the interface computer mm-hmm. interface hologram in uh, the Pegasus Project. I, I really like the idea that this this discovery, this mission, whatever's at the end of the rainbow, is of such great significance mm-hmm. that the ascended ancients would take notice and would not necessarily descend, but would show up yeah. and still want to be a part of it alongside, you know, with us. That this is something to which they have not yet attained, even mm-hmm. with ascension. Because it could uh, be now, the next step to achieving an even higher level of intelligence. Okay, John, John, your question is, why did, we abandon, why did the ancients abandon Destiny's mission uh, for ascension? So let's think about the timeline here. I doubt that any of the ancients who actually launched Destiny are ascended. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're hypothesizing that Destiny is much, much, much older than Atlantis. Yeah. And apparently, when Atlantis left Earth for the Pegasus Galaxy, they the hadn't even begun had to consider it. Yeah, discovered ascension yet. Uh, what's been made pretty clear is that the ancients that ascended are the ones from ten thousand years ago, at the very end of their civilization, when they came back to Earth. They began to. It, it may have been something they they achieved long before. I don't think they came back to Earth and finally figured out ascension after they had given mm-hmm. up their cities and everything. Um, it's something that they've been tinkering with for a long time, but certainly millions upon millions of years ago, I don't think the ancients were dealing with it. It could have been something that they passed along to their descendants, and their descendants got caught up with Ascension and dropped it. Yeah, there was a recent uh, interview that I saw with Brad Wright that added a little bit to this timeline, and of course it's not canon, it has not been established on screen yet, but what he said in the interview was the ancients... Uh, I think this was in a video bit, actually, on uh, MGM's official site, stargate.mgm.com. Brad says that the ancients uh, sent out Destiny, and they intended on going there thousands of years later. Yeah. Thousands. So many, yeah. many, many generations after those who launched the ship, they were going to sort of reach the second stage of this experiment project. But, you know, not the same generation, not the next generation not a million years later. Which suggests that their hyperdrive was, was not advanced and that it was, going to, it was going to take some time for her to get out there. And why bother sending a crew in suspended animation when you have Stargate technology? Yes. That you can just wait until the time is right and go there. Yep. But apparently that means that if Destiny was on track, then the time was right millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. 
a few mm-hmm. thousand years after the ship was launched. Which is why I'm I'm still wondering, you know, why we didn't see the at, at the start of the show, why we didn't see the ship stopped a couple of years away to give the ancients when they finally board to give the ancients advanced time to prepare. Okay, and John, I really like your theory on the on the chair. We don't necessarily know what the heck that thing is. Mm-hmm. If if there's a bridge that allows us to steer the ship, you know, why would you want to sort of tap into the ship's computer system with this the brain? This is a great know. theory. Okay, now my question for you, David. Okay. If this is the mission. If Destiny is going somewhere, sort of, there's there's a hint that maybe it's picking up pieces of the puzzle along the way. Although I'm not sure if that's sort of rhetorical, talking about the radiation that's sort of everywhere. Yeah, it says from the length and breadth of the universe, which suggests that it's accumulating information. Yeah, it's accumulating information and gradually getting closer to, you know, knowledge of whatever this X factor is. Mm -hmm. My question is, why are there stargates on these planets? Why are we seeding stargates? So presumably the crew of Destiny can stop at these planets and visit them. Is it just... So that they can pick up resources? I think that that's what it is. Additionally, I love uh, Diana's theory that it's um, railroad tracks. We are, we yeah, are see, building... I about the railroad tracks thing. I'm not sure... But they're, they're, they're disconnected because there's, there's no railroad tracks being laid in between galaxies. Right. I mean, railroad tracks, the image would be something like um, the Midway Space Station. Exactly. We, where there's... Stargates right. and line them up in a row so that we could travel a much greater distance than one gate to another right really uh in galaxies that certainly works we it's been established so far that the the railroad tracks are such a way it's kind of a, a bit of an internet where one galaxy one gate is in range of another gate to get you to whatever gate that you need you just need to use the right sequence of gates to go where you want to go but the problem is in between galaxies there are no gates being laid so as far as you we know right so we couldn't use it like Midway Station to get everybody home. We couldn't. We couldn't take a conduit like like the the Hirogen Relay Station in Voyager. You know, we couldn't make a communication conduit of them, as far as we know. And they do seem to have a shorter range. You can't reach any Stargate in the galaxy. Maybe that's There's... how they got to Destiny. Maybe Icarus. Maybe, maybe that nine code, nine Chevron code. Used not a the, direct dial. Not a direct dial, but did like Midway Station does, where the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, all the way down the line. Well, there's so much to talk about. I know that we're running late. This is a yeah. huge episode. There's going to be lots to talk about in the weeks to come. Let's wrap up the greater good and talk about Gin and Simeon. Gin and Simeon. What do you think is going on there? Um, I think she'd be dead. You think so? I think she, she and Amanda Perry are about to die. Hi, this is Dana in Seattle. This week's episode was just terrific it was so juicy and there was so much that happened and it really moved everything forward in important ways my one complaint is the promo for next week's episode i hate that they don't trust that we would be interested in that cliffhanger and just tune in and find out what happened why do we need to know exactly what happened it's unfair and it kind of undercuts what will come in a way we had great drama we had rush knowing everything that young was uh, yeah other way young knowing everything rush was up to and and uh rush about to like drink eli's milkshake and eli putting harry back on the higher ground and it it was just a lovely episode and i don't want to already know 
what happened from that ending. And so Sci-Fi Channel stopped with the stupid promos that give away the episode, which is a common thing with previews for movies, too, where they tell you everything that happens. Why do people think that we don't want to find out on our own? Anyway, great episode. Thank you very much. Well, if you watch the show on Sci-Fi Channel and you didn't immediately press mute or turn the turn the channel when the promo came on, uh, they apparently spoiled this one pretty significantly. Oh, they do? And I'm not entirely sure that that's going to pan out because it is science fiction and you never mm-hmm. know who's, who's uh, in what state of aliveness. Well, since I didn't see the whole thing, uh, I will posit that when the ability to, to turn destiny around became clear in this episode, that's, that's the big thing that we haven't really discussed. Destiny is no longer a runaway train. We have control of her. When the right, ability right. to get Destiny to turn around became apparent, certain people might want their crew back. Let's just put it that way. I don't know what you mean by that, but... The Lucian I'll Alliance was left behind on a planet. It. They can turn around and go get oh, them. Oh, those guys. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's also Telford, and there's those uh, crazy guys that we left back in the other galaxy. This is definitely true. Both in Air Part 3 and in Faith. There's certainly reason to turn the ship around. I mean, even as far back as Curtis and Palmer... You know, there, there, there are plenty of reasons to turn the ship around, and I, th- and I think in the next couple of episodes, I, w- I would be very surprised if that wasn't at least discussed. Yeah, it has to be at least discussed. Now that we have control of the ship, sort of the first question is, what direction do we point it? Why should we yeah. keep going this way? Yeah. So, really excited about next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this week's episode, uh, Tuesday night on Sci-Fi Channel, is going to be Malice. This is written and directed by Robert Cooper who co-created the show, and it's uh, this is what the Simeon character has been leading up to. It's time for Quibbles. Both of my Quibbles are uh, Amanda Perry related. I love the scene of, of her using writing utensils. The, yes. the first hand The first hand gesture is like trying to get her to use it again. It's clear from this one scene... That she hasn't been a quadriplegic all her life because she picks it up pretty quickly. I think so. Yeah, she she, she writes pretty well once she oh gets yeah the, the pen clicked. Because as soon as she clicks that and she starts holding it, I'm saying to myself, "Oh my god, she's going to have a terror. <laughs> she can't write. You know, <laughs> she's going to be writing and she can't. I mean, she can't do it. You know, it, that that is a skill. Have you ever tried mm-hmm. writing with with uh, with your non dominant hand? Oh yeah. Try it. You'll feel Even like you're four years tough. old again. Exactly. Yeah, and I wondered how much of that was. You know, maybe she's only been a quadriplegic for a few years or or her adulthood or whatever. Or maybe it's that she has sort of this muscle memory from yeah. Gin's body that uh, is an advantage. Yeah, I really would. If that's the case, I, I would have liked that explained a little bit more. Because after a couple of seconds, she starts going <laughs> with those equations. Yeah. So do you have do you have the other person's handwriting when you're in their body? Mm, I don't think so. That's that's all in the brain, and your brain is taken with you. I think that's right. What's your quibble? My quibble is not so much a sort of a technical detail about the episode this time as it is sort of a macro decision on the part of the writers, which is, okay, this ship is awesome, and I love the fact that we go there. The The story quibble would be, you know, we don't really do much. The yeah, we leave. Over there, the, the ship is the occasion for forcing out Russia's secret and for the confrontation between Russia and Young. But we don't really get anything out of this ship, do we? Mm-mm. We we come on board and we flip on the lights and the engines go off and then we leave. 
Yeah. I really would have liked to know more about the ship. And this is just, again, the mythology geek in me. I want to know more about those aliens. Yeah. What's going on with the ship? It's been in a battle. I think that we're going to learn more about that pretty yeah. soon. The question of time before they left is also uh, subject to interpretation, too. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it was a question of, you know, the ship is spinning, we can't get back aboard, take Destiny's nose and hit it again. Get it to stop spinning. And <laughs> go over dangerous. there and check it out. Oh, the ship, can, ship can handle it. If it runs out of shields, they'll jump talk. into a star. What I really loved was this sense of wonder. The mm. sense of exploration mm-hmm. that Stargate has been so good at and that the the dark corridors of destiny have not provided a lot of opportunities for. No. Our guys out in these in these spacesuits exploring an alien ship. This was really exciting. Uh, and I just kinda wish there had been more payoff than Rush and Young have a, a knockdown drag out. Yeah. And hopefully now that we're in control of Destiny's systems, we'll be able to get life support back online in other areas of the ship that Rush hasn't been able to do because of manpower and resources. Hopefully they'll be able to do that. But of course, you know, that means creating new areas of the ship, which means more money for construction and this and that. So we'll see. We'll see. I'd love them to explore that dome that we saw in in the pilot. What's, what is that space for? You know, that Um, dome. Yeah. And I think I would guess um, that that dome is what they were talking about last week when Camille was talking about, you know, Lisa Park's project of creating a larger hydroponics lab. I would guess that's the space they're thinking of. Yeah, it looks like a giant greenhouse. It looks like it could be. Yeah. So, which makes a lot of sense. All they have to do is patch it up or increase the shielding around that area, which, I mean, we've seen them do. Last quibble. Amanda Perry, once again, in the episode where she's introduced, they made it clear that uh, taking on uh, taking in her body, becoming a, one with her on Earth is a traumatic experience. So I, th- I think that that was discussed off screen. Otherwise, um, yeah, again, again, again would have come body. right back. You know, like you didn't say anything about that, you know, because because James couldn't handle it. So that had to have been handled off screen. We just want to let you know you're going to the body of a quadriplegic. You're not going to be able to move around. They don't say that. Additionally, I am appalled that she wasn't assigned a security officer to go with her everywhere. I don't care that Dr. Perry is in Gin's body. If something happens back on Earth, whenever she disconnects on that other mm-hmm. end, she's alone and wandering around that ship. And she, Gin, is still a security risk. You want to have a security officer with her for whenever Earth is done with her so that Gin doesn't roam free wherever she's at and, and, and start causing mayhem. Yeah, even if it's for a moment, because we've seen when the ship goes into and drops out of FTL, it cuts the communications hiccups for a few seconds. They certainly do trust Gin a lot. I think I quibbled last week about the fact that uh, Greer is happy to leave Eli alone with her. And then when Eli runs after Greer for a little pep talk and leaves Gin alone, Greer doesn't bat an eye about the fact Mm -hmm. that this this girl has been left alone with an open computer terminal. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, you know, Simeon gets in her face and it's like the sergeant that's standing nearby isn't going to do anything. It takes Greer to come up and say, hey, leave her alone. Yeah. And I think I wanted Greer to give the, the other guy this look and say, what were you doing? Why didn't you stop this? You know, I mean, it's they were they were looking to give a lead cast member that that moment. But it was like, <laughs> dude, what are you standing around for? Get the man out of her face. Yeah. That's why you're there. This isn't my quibble as much as it's a quibble I've seen a few people raise online. Where the heck was Simeon's guard, and how the, how did he did he give him the slip so easily? And I think the answer to it, when you look at the kind of guy that Simeon is, yeah, I think he took him out. He didn't just sort of point down the corridor and say, "What's that?" 
and then yeah. run the other way when the guard looked. Yeah. He killed the guard and stuffed his body in a closet. I think we're going to find the answer to that in, the, in that next week's show. Yeah. I think so. Do you think that Amanda Perry slash Gen is dead? Oh, um, predictions. Or do you have spoiler information that, that gives a definitive answer? No, I don't have I don't have a definitive answer. Well, then uh, then then pick a side, uh, boy. The sci-fi promo. Well, you know what I'm th- I've been thinking about since I saw the episode is is the way the communication stones work, and I would love it if they answered this question, even if it meant that we had to lose one of these great female characters who I, I love both of them. If you've traded bodies with someone, and one of you dies, do you both die? That um, question's already been answered. When they suffocated oh, Telfer, you both die. You are both killed. Remember, they suffocated Telfer and Telford. Rush didn't die. Oh, he was going down, and and they make it clear in the dialogue that yeah, they know, right. that they know that they know that when when you're connected, you're risking both, both lives, lives, and if something happens to them, they both die. Okay, then my prediction is they're both going to die, and then <laughs> at some point towards the end of the episode, at least one of them is going to you know open her eyes again. And it may be it may be that Perry survives, and we don't know it because she's back on Earth in her own body, and we don't know it for five or ten episodes. Hmm. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, you know everybody got PO'd at Simeon because Gin is dead, and Eli got all bothered because Gin is dead, hmm. and then she wakes up. That's another the great communication moment. stones got her consciousness back into her body, yeah. and she's fine. Assuming that, he doesn't break her neck. That's another great moment in that episode. He he walks in on on Rush and. Uh, and and Gin, yeah. quote unquote, and it says, you know, sometimes it's just hard to uh, remember that that my girlfriend is is not here. I loved Eli's reaction, where as soon as as soon as Perry takes over, his mm-hmm. reaction is clear that he's still looking at his girlfriend and not looking at Amanda Perry. But how he says hi is mm-hmm. is a perfect delivery. Really great. And the end of the episode is, yeah, he says, you know, remember whose body you're in. It's not your own which I think is something that we've been sort of scratching our heads at for a long time. Since early in season one, I've wanted them to to do this sort of thing and have characters actually observe the fact that it's not necessarily appropriate for you to do whatever you want when you're Mm -hmm. in somebody else's body. I love the fact that that they followed through on that. Thanks, everybody, for your voicemail. Again, there's so much to talk about. We're going to continue to talk about this episode and the mission of Destiny Uh, as we move on into the last three episodes of the fall season. Uh, We do have some other voicemails to talk about. Let's open up the mailbag. Listener mail. G'day, guys. It's Steve here, and I've got some thoughts on TJ that I'd like to share with you all. Um, What we saw happen in Season 2, Episode 1, when uh, TJ was unconscious, uh, I'm not really buying into it. I don't think there was a high-powered uh, being that's gone out of its way to help her and her unborn child. What I think's happened here, um, and uh, the more episodes I watch, the more I begin to believe um, this is true, is that Destiny has gotten into her head. It's it's assessed TJ as a vital member of the crew, and it's done what it's uh, the same thing that it did to Rush and to Young. It's seen that this tragic event is just something that TJ is going to have to get past um, in order to cope with uh, life aboard Destiny. So it's gone in there and created this scenario and given her a sense of hope, something that um, is going to help her move on. Uh, What also sells it for me too is the nebula that she saw there. It it just makes sense that 
destiny would know its surroundings and uh, would project that image into her mind just to give her something to anchor her dream to reality. So, yeah, that's my thoughts, and I'm sticking to it. I love this theory, Steve. I'm not sure what to make about the super advanced aliens from the obelisk planet, but I love this theory that, uh, that this is destiny getting inside of her head. Yeah. It has long-range sensors. It could have taken a picture of that uh, nebula and given it to her in her mind and then shown and it I to her. I thought of this in Intervention, the, the season premiere. Not until we saw Franklin and Gloria and everything that Young went through last week with the, with the scenario dream. I never even would have thought of this. Mm-hmm. And TJ was certainly unconscious the entire time. Hi, guys. This is Jack calling from Providence, Rhode Island. Calling with a little quibble uh, in regards to the episode where Colonel Young is smothering that guy to death. <laughs> I was just wondering, couldn't he have just, like, shot him in the head? You know, or maybe he, I guess he didn't want to make a lot of noise with TJ being outside. Maybe that might upset her. But maybe, I don't know, give him an overdose of morphine. How about something like that? But really smothering him to death? Hasn't the guy, like, been through enough? He's been crushed under a ship. You know? I don't know. Thanks, guys. Bye. He couldn't shoot him because then the others would have heard it and they would have blamed him. And I don't think they wanted to give him morphine because the morphine supplies are low. Yeah, very valuable resources in terms of drugs. They would have blamed Young, I meant. If Young handed him his pistol and let him use it, or if Young did it himself, either way. Yeah. Riley did not want that. There's a nice bit of dialogue exchange between the two, where Riley basically says, you know, I don't want you to do that because they would blame you. Not to mention the ammunition. Hi, guys. This is Chris, a.k.a. Dryden from Fort Lauderdale. By the way, this is a... Main question is off topic. It's not about the episode, but wow. Probably the best episode of Universe this week I've ever seen. Nonstop action, plenty of story. There really wasn't a reason to go over to the other ship besides those two having a having it out and finally fixing everything. But anyways, I digress. The main question I have for you, it's really a statement that I kind of had late last night. And you may have thought of it, may not, but I'll just bring it up anyways. We know we currently have the database for the Asgard. We now have the database of the ancients, an even more and more powerful civilization. Before that, we had advanced probably 200 years in about five years of Stargate program with spaceships. Then we went even further than Star Trek or Star Wars, and now have intergalactic travel. So that's another 500 to 1,000-year jump of technology. So not only that, now we have access to all the Gua'ul technology. And we have the uh, technology from the other universe that the, um, the Ori were in. And we have the Tok'ra, who are probably willing to share information with us now. We have the Jaffa. And we have the Tok'ra. So if you, if you think of that, and then this new revelation from universe that we could have the basic understanding of how the universe works and how to manipulate matter, we could become the most powerful civilization the universe has ever known. If you give us five to ten years to peruse all this data and start implementing technology, it's going to be insane as far as how far the technology on Earth is going to go. So, yeah, I just wanted to let... You know, have you guys kind of think about that, see what you thought. Talk to you later. 
Bye. Great voicemails, everybody. Great questions. Please keep them coming. Here is this week's listener question. David. What did you think of Tuesday's new episode of SGU? Malice. Give us a call on the hotline. It's area code 951-262-1647, or you can email in a brief audio recording saved in uh, preferably uh, uh, MP3 format to webmaster at gateworld.net. Malice is a big payoff, obviously, from the cliffhanger from this week. These two hang together really well. So it airs Tuesday night on Sci-Fi Channel in the United States. It airs Friday in Canada and in Australia, and then a week Tuesday in the U.K., if you want to banter about it, send it to us uh, at least by Saturday, four days after the episode has aired. So give us a call about malice or obviously huge amounts of stuff to talk about this week. Oh, uh, yeah. Give us your thoughts on the mission. Give us your theories and speculation on what's to come. This, I think, is the point where SGU just gets busted wide open. Uh, so Malice is our November 22nd show. November 29th, we'll talk about Visitation, which is the ninth episode of the season. And then already, by the end of November, we're going to be watching the mid-season finale, Resurgence, which will be the topic of our December 6th podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending time with us each and every week. And thanks to Russell for giving his time and efforts to edit the show. Once again, if you want to call in to the hotline, that number is area code 951-262-1647. You can always find it on the website. If you didn't catch it, go to gateworld.net slash podcast. And you can also find show notes. Yes. Everything that we talked about, linked to. You can leave us comments or feedback in the uh, show notes page or on our thread in Gateworld form. From Gateworld, this is David. And this is Darren. And thank you for listening to the Gateworld Podcast.